Welcome back to Techtopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Jim Poole. He is the vice president of Equinix. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. Welcome back to Tectotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Jim Bull. He's vice president of ecosystem business development at Equinix. Uh, what's ecosystem business development, Jim? So what I look at are sort of newly digitizing parts of the economy as mm-hmm. things become increasingly virtual. So, you know, that started off with things like content. You know, now we think about Netflix and things like that. No one, no one buys a DVD anymore. So that's happening in all sorts of industries. So I look at that. Okay, so that's interesting. So what is, you say it works, it's happening in all sorts of industries. So is that is that the suggestion that we're going to have uh, cryptocurrencies to pay for, I don't know, uh, <laughs> bricks? I don't know what the, uh, it, seems, yeah. it seems like. Well, a, maybe a good analogy. So I always give, you know, examples. People like things like, you know, Internet of Things is sort of an interesting example. And um, so we have customers, for example, who used to do things one way. And now they're changing it. So a good example would be in the old days, if I wanted to sell a train, I would sell Mm -hmm. a train to, you know, a state enterprise and they would hire a bunch of people to do the maintenance and they would take care of it. And, you know, that was it. In the new world, now I sell, if I'm the vendor, I sell train as a service. And so I take care of everything for you down to guaranteeing that the train will always be on time that you'll always have some number of trains available. And the only way to make that work as the vendor is I have to collect Mm -hmm. massive amounts of data and correlate that so that I have a very high degree of certainty that I can deliver that service to you, you know, the state of wherever in Germany, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, to deliver that service. Okay. So that requires, so the, why does it require so much data? What do, what do I need to know about that train? Uh, is it is it that I need to make money off the train? So I have to understand the I have to understand how much how much it's being used. Well, so so maybe a, a really simple example might be um, think about the brakes on a train. So a reason a train could be late is the brakes go bad, and traditionally the way you would do that is you would you would look, and you would look for brake pad wear just like you would on a car. However, mm-hmm. there's certain things I know about the train, for instance. I know how much it weighs. I know how many people are on it. I know um, how much energy gets expended at a certain speed when you activate the brakes. And I can put sensors on the train, and I can use analytics to then say, oh, within a certain period of time, I should start looking at the brakes on this train and replace them proactively, maybe instead of reactively. And therefore, I don't run into, say, a maintenance delay for a train that I would normally have under the old way of doing things. And so mm-hmm. modern, modern equipment like trains or bulldozers or tractors now have thousands of sensors on them. And so, you know, a good example of a car, a car can generate terabits of data per hour. Um, so 
collecting that data, analyzing that data, and then making it useful. Um, that's you know quite a feat, and that requires sort of you know companies like mine to help make that all work. <laughs> now, this this might not be your uh, this might not be your department, but I mean I think the there's a lot of argument right now about um, the idea that the, the the these sensors actually create sort of a digital rights management that prevents that doesn't allow you to own the train anymore. Is that is that expected, or are we are we to expect that we're not going to own our cars, we're not going to own our computers, that this or our, our manufacturing systems, that these things are going to be owned by somebody else, and we're just going to use them? Uh, in some cases, yeah, that could definitely be the case. I mean, in in the case of um, you know some of these things, that's the trade-off, right? Is is do you really want to own the item, or do you want the service to act in a particular way? I, I always go back to a good gaming analogy was. You know, five, ten years ago, if you were to ask a gamer the way they thought about their game, it was a little cartridge and it sat under the coffee table, mm -hmm. right, next to the game console. Nowadays, people play online games where the complete state of the game is saved in a cloud somewhere and no one thinks anything of it. They just pay to use the service. Right. Well, I mean, so, there's 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 definitely going to be some somebody out there who's going to yell that, that they don't own the game. I mean, the the idea of software, the idea of computers that you can't you can't the right to repair, for example. And I think I think this this goes out to um, at its core. I think we're talking more about like tractors, uh, like a personal farmer who's used to having a John Deere on her land uh, that she can open up and and change the spark plugs on. But now, if you do that, you basically you basically crack DRM essentially. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there are probably going to be cases where the trade-off is um, lower cost to operate whatever it is in exchange mm -hmm. for the information that is generated from that. And, and, and farming examples are an interesting example where, you know, the, the manufacturer of the tractor, for example, is is trying to compete against newer entrants in the market. You know, things coming from Asia that cost half the price of an American manufacturer. And so, how does the American manufacturer uh, compete? Well, he uses the data that he can get off the device to deliver a better service. And in exchange for that, he's going to keep some of that data, maybe on an anonymized basis, right? He doesn't know specifically what's happening at that particular farmer's farm, but he knows that generally speaking, all of the information being collected by his tractors that he's selling performs a certain way. And so he makes a better tractor every single time he goes through a new production cycle. What the does the... What does what is hardware? So so I mean, it sounds like we're looking at the idea of evolutionary hardware. So the hardware evolves based on this data. How do you manage all that data? You saying that you're saying that the stuff generates terabytes of data per hour. How do you how do you manage that? How do you how are we going to manage that? Well, generally, you know, the world is sort of in the old IT model. Everything went to the center, right? If you thought about it as a pyramid, right? It was like I would collect data out at the edge and I would send it all back to some big giant central repository someplace. Now, because of where the data is coming from, I always say that in IoT, you kind of need three things to make it work. One, you need access to not just a network, you need pretty much all the networks because the data comes from everywhere. And then two, where do you put the data? Well, it's no longer going to some centralized repository. It's sitting closer to the edge where it was collected. And usually mm -hmm. that's, now a, that's now a cloud provider. It's Amazon, it's Google, it's you know whoever. And then the third thing is you need to be able to replicate that model in multiple markets all around the world all the time, 
right? So, you know, if I'm going to collect data in Germany, I'm going to store it in Germany. If I'm going to do it in the United States on the East Coast, I'm probably going to do it in Washington, D.C. or something like that. So, you know, that's a big change in the way a lot of corporations stage their IT. And that's one of the things that cloud is making possible. It's not as if people didn't know that it was better to put the data closer to where you needed to make the decision. It was just impractical to do it before. Now the cloud providers have essentially built you the infrastructure that you can then leverage to, to create that value. Okay. All right. So, um, so what does, what does the world look like when we have internet of things, when everything is connected in this way? I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is that we're going to have basically almost every device that we use is going to be connected for, for, and, and, whatever DRM ideas aside, uh, what is that, what does that world look like? Is it safer? Is it faster? Is it better? Uh, yeah, I would argue that it would probably be all those things. I mean, if you take, you know, really, I mean, there's some interesting examples you see out there like building safety, for instance, right. You know, mm -hmm. light sensors that are attached to motion sensors, um, CO2, you know, fire alarm sorts of things. So you could have a situation where, you know, building catches on fire, and now not only can I tell everybody in the building to leave, I can guide them which exit to use based on what the CO2 sensors and the heat sensors in the building tell me. And so, you know, they know that survivability rates increase, you know, two, threefold if I can get everybody out in a certain amount of time. Um, and that's all just leveraging systems that are currently being installed for nothing, no other reason other than being more efficient in terms of how the electricity in the building gets used, but there's a tangential benefit from a safety perspective. Have you seen any examples of, uh, of this data being used to really improve a process? Well, yeah, there's, so, you know, one of our bigger customers is, uh, is GE for what they call Predix, which is essentially their big data analytics platform. And so, you know, GE's got a mission that says, you know, if I can, do what I think I can do with my own manufacturing process, I can get a 1% improvement. That's a half a billion dollars to the bottom line over 15 years. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I take that same analogy and I put it against the, the entire economy, just using GE as the model, I can add 10 to $15 trillion in GDP value, all from just being more efficient. You know, and that that's an amazing statistic. That's just one. That's not even considering new revenue streams. Um, that's just simply saying, you know, I can do something slightly more efficiently than I've done. And they've got great examples of individual factories or individual, you know, processes that they've improved in their company that, you know, in, in one place added, you know, 25% to productivity. So, you know, this stuff is happening today. It's, it's more happening on the industrial side of things. So the average consumer probably isn't as aware that it's mm -hmm. happening, but it's happening. Now, I guess that was a question. What is what's the what what does the world look like in twenty years for the average consumer when they when all this stuff is in their is in their world? Well, I, you know, it's it's sort of like I my the best analogy I can think of is like the phone, right? So you mm -hmm. know, for years and years, almost a hundred years, we never thought about the phone as any other thing other than talking. And now, no one thinks twice about the fact that the the least common thing you do on your phone is talk. Right. You do everything else. Right. And so mm -hmm. apply that to cars. You know, today we think about cars as, you know, I get in a car and I go from A to B. Well, you know, a car is quickly going to become, you know, a smartphone on wheels. 
And so, you know, the car just becomes another interface to the rest of my world, whether that's for commerce purposes or entertainment purposes, not just simply getting from point A to point B. And so you'll see that kind of ripple effect happen in various aspects of the economy. We'll, you know, we'll expect our homes and our transportation and our devices to be far more useful than they are just as the thing they were originally invented to be. Okay. Interesting. What, what do you want, uh, what do you want to do? Um, what is, what does your world look like when you're done, when you're done with this job? Well, you know, we really focus on the fact that, that, you know, you need to make all this work. You need the virtual world and the physical world to come together. And so we think of that in terms of what we call interconnection, which simply, you know, when people tend to talk about the internet or, you know, anything, they draw a cloud and they completely sort of forget the fact that there's actually plumbing involved in making all mm -hmm. of these various different things talk to each other. And so what we do is focus on sort of building the interconnect points where literally physically things connect to each other so that they can talk and store data and have analytics applied uh, to that data. And so, um, you know, we think of this in terms of sort of the evolution of, of the virtual world and the physical world into, into digital cities, not just mm -hmm. simply physical cities. So in, in many major metros, um, you don't, you won't know this because they don't look like anything in particular, but there will be millions of square feet of data center space where the local networks terminate, where the cloud providers have put gateways to their infrastructure, where local IT companies and state agencies and the government put systems, all of whom are collecting data and talking to each other. And, you know, interesting to us is we're really in the early innings of this. It, it's, it's occurred for you know, some industries and certain applications that people are familiar with. But, you know, you think about, I was thinking about a GE statistic that said, you know, half of the airline industry does predictive maintenance based on analytics for aircraft. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, you would think that the airline industry is a pretty technologically savvy group of people. Um, and so think about the broader economy, huge portions of the economy are, are not digital. They're not collecting data. They're not looking at the data. And even if they have it, they're not necessarily using it the way they, they could use it. So for us, at the end of the day, you know, we imagine a far more interconnected world. We imagine more devices, more people being sort of connected to the virtual world through these physical interconnection points that we build. All right. Very cool. Where can, uh, where can people find out a little bit more about uh, what you're working on? Oh, you can go to our website, which is at um, www.equinix.com and uh, sort of root around our, our blog site, blog.equinix.com. We do a lot of writing about sort of how we feel, you know, our interconnection value translates to mm -hmm. the rest of the economy. All right. So thank you very much for joining us. And we will see you next week. Technotopia is brought to you by Typewriter. Typewriter is your on-demand editor, and their amazing team of writers will make your book chapter, blog post, or email shine. Typewriter editors come from places like TechCrunch, Gizmodo, and the New York Times, and they offer low bulk rates for longer work. Check it out at typewriter.plus. That's typewriter.plus.